Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. All right. So welcome. So today is uh, National Orphan Sunday. There's probably a lot of you who don't even know that, or really know what it is. And I'll explain a little bit. I, myself, didn't even really know that much about it two years ago. And uh, I learned it... Uh, over some time, I myself personally and my wife, our family, uh, has adopted a little boy from Ethiopia <clears throat> almost um, a year ago. At, well, in a couple weeks, it'll be one year exactly. We left on Thanksgiving Day um, last year. So this is something that uh, I want to share with you guys today as personal testimony of a, a journey that God had our family on and how that came about, and how that relates to what the Bible says and what God says in his word. So I first want to read to you guys James 1.27 real quickly. And it says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and affliction, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So first, allow me to uh, overwhelm you guys with some staggering numbers. There are 143 million orphaned and vulnerable children in the world. If all these children were moved to the country of Mexico, Mexico's population would more than double by growing from 108 million to 251 million. There are approximately 47.5 million orphaned and vulnerable children in sub-Saharan Africa. There are approximately 5.9 orphaned and vulnerable children in the Middle East and North Africa. There are approximately 37.4 million orphaned and vulnerable children in South Asia. 30.1 million orphaned and vulnerable children that live in East Asia and Pacific. 9.4 orphaned and vulnerable children that live in Latin America or the Caribbean. There's as many orphaned and vulnerable children living in Ethiopia as there are people in the greater New York. Almost 1.5 million children live in public care in Central and Eastern Europe. That's just our world. So let's talk about the United States. More than 800,000 children pass through our country's foster care system each year. There's over 600,000 children in our foster care system right now. 129,000 of those children are waiting to be adopted today. Approximately 25,000 children's age, 25,000 children age out of foster care each year, many with no support system and little to no life skills. That's the population of Benicia. This brings us to the question, how many total children are adopted each year? The answer is between 118,000 and 127,000 children have been adopted every year since 1987. More than 50% of these adoptions are handled by public agencies or have come from countries outside of the United States. More than one-third of Americans have seriously thought about adoption considered adopting, but no more than 2% have actually adopted. Only 4% of families with children in the whole of the United States contain adopted children. So with this many orphans in the United States and the world, the church has a monumental task in front of it before it's to practice true religion. James 1.27 says, religion that's pure and undefiled before God 
is this, to visit orphans and widows and their distress and their affliction. So the church has its work cut out for it. Have you ever thought about God's, uh, he has this unique uh, horiz- vertical to horizontal movement. I'll show you on this little trusty board right here because so, I'm a visual learner. So a lot of times we think there's man. That's my man. And uh, this is God. Now, a lot of times we think, all right, it's not that man goes to God first or man goes to man. Those are my people. (laughs) But God's unique vertical to horizontal movement is God first comes to us and then we go to man. God first comes down to us in love before we go to man in love. It's, it's a unique, special thing that we have. We are made to be loved and to love. Everybody knows how it feels to be loved. You like loving all sorts of things. You like being loved by a puppy because you like being loved. That's the way we were made. God made us to be loved by him and then to go out and love other people because it feels good. The uniqueness of this movement isn't ever, ever first man responding to God. It's never man to man, as sometimes we might think, but it's first God to man. It says, let me give you one example. So love came down to us before it went to man, not man to man, and then back up saying, hey, God, this is fantastic. To use the words of John, in 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because God, he first loved us. So we can't love until we are loved by God as Christ followers. The same works, another example, is in forgiveness. And to steal words from John again, Because we were forgiven in Christ, God came down in grace vertically before we can forgive others horizontally. We always think it's it's really tough to forgive. We're forgiven. That's what makes us be able to forgive others. Until we're forgiven, it's really tough. Until we accept that, that he came down vertically. So to steal the words from John, because God first forgave us, we're able to forgive others. So there's your cool little examples about how God has this unique vertical to horizontal movement going on. So the question is, since he has this cool movement going on, how does this relate to adoption and orphan care? We know how it relates to loving other people and forgiveness, but how specifically it relates to orphan care and adoption is found in Ephesians 1. I'm going to flip there real quick. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 but I'm going to read four through five. <clears throat> three through the, the verse three, um, it's basically saying God's awesome. <laughs> it's saying he's blessed us. He's given us everything. God's so wonderful. And in verse four, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to the one he loves. Listen to that. Before he chose us, in him the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So before we even dreamt of adopting each other, taking each other, God first adopted us as his sons through his grace, through his son, Christ Jesus. Blessed is the Father who has adopted us. So scripture leaves no doubt there 
that before we even thought about this, that this was his idea, just like before we even thought about loving another man, man to man, it was his idea. Before we thought about forgiving someone else, it was his idea to forgive us. Unfortunately, we don't think that way that often about adoption. We can think that way about loving someone else and forgiving someone else, but in all reality, we don't think that way. It's not what we pre-think about when we think about adoption and orphan care. So let me give you an example of my own family's experience. We had just gotten back from Ethiopia, and uh, it was after uh, church service, and I'm sitting there, and I have Malachi in my arms, and my daughter's on my leg, my wife's sitting there, and some people are coming over to congratulate us, and we're chit-chatting, and this couple comes over to congratulate us, and they're talking with us, and we talk about the kiddos for a second, they're talking to Maddie and my son, and then she looks at me and stares me right in the eye, serious as can be, and says, have you and your wife determined if you're going to tell him he's adopted? <laughs> so I sat there, and I'm thinking, <laughs> see, if you guys don't know, I'm Caucasian. I always have been and I always will be. And I'm holding my son and he's black. And so I'm sitting there looking at her and she is serious as can be, looking me right in the face. And like it was slow motion and my brain was not slow motion. It was going through like, I don't even know, you can just imagine. <laughs> and I'm waiting for her to smirk and be like, ha I got you. Yeah, that's funny. And it wasn't coming. So I'm like, ha. So I kindly said, I think God was gracious to me and her at the moment. <clears throat> and I said, yes, we have decided we're going to share with him. He came into our family through adoption. Now, here's why I tell this story. If we were thinking first vertically about adoption, we wouldn't ask a question like this. Even if a family adopts within the same ethnicity. Because we would understand, hey, everyone's been adopted. We want to share with everyone you've all been adopted into this family. And we don't want to keep it a secret. We're not going to hide it from you and make you guess later and find out one day like, oh, man, I don't look like you. That's weird. <clears throat> so <laughs> everyone's made in God's image. So <laughs> that's just a funny story. <laughs> so uh, I want to tell you guys some stories about our adoption, how it came to you. So this is kind of the fun part. So we have a son. So how did we come up to this whole idea of adopting? Uh, <clears throat> well, one day... Uh, well, actually, before this, uh, Michelle and I were dating, and you know, you have that conversation of like, hey, yeah, how many kids do you want to have? Or you ever want to adopt? You interested? And it was just something that was never on our radar. We weren't really, neither of us really interested in adopting. Think adoption's great, think it's fantastic, but if we were able to have our own children, just like most people think in this world, that uh, we don't need to adopt. So we, we were married, and we were able to have our own child, and Maddie is now like a year and a half. And all of a sudden, in my brain and in my mind and on my heart, God started speaking to me, and I started feeling like, man, I need, we need to adopt a little boy from Ethiopia. At the time, I didn't even know where Ethiopia was. <laughs> I, I thought it was like the Middle East somewhere. And I didn't even care to go look up and see where it was because I was not fond of this idea. I was like, no way, not going to happen. I, was like, I started like losing sleep. It was just on my mind and my heart, and God was just giving me whispers over and over again about this. And so I was like, man, this is crazy. All right, well, maybe if I say something to Michelle, my wife, I'll feel better, like I did my part. And I know she's not interested, so I should just say something so she'll knock it down and be like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's crazy. And I'll feel better about it. So I decided I got to catch her at the weirdest moment to really catch her off guard out of nowhere. So we're cleaning the house. She's upset because we're cleaning the house. Or she's cleaning the house. I'm watching. And... Um, <laughs> So I'm like, this is a perfect time. 
So I'm like, hey, Michelle, so what do you think about adopting a little boy from Ethiopia? And I remember she like kind of sat up and looked at me and smiled. And she's like, I've been thinking the same thing. And I'm like, duh. Dang it. That's not what you're supposed to say. So then we were both like, wow, that was really cool. God was like whispering to both of our hearts and talking to us at the same time. And we didn't even realize it. And then we talked about it. So we like had a high five moment. Awesome, man. That was totally cool. And then we did nothing about it. <laughs> so you can keep cleaning. <laughs> no, so, so then uh, we just kind of went on. She, Michelle, my wife, she's very like organized and likes to know about things. And, and uh, normally if we would have had a discussion about something else, like uh, we were going to go eat somewhere, she would have been able to tell me everything about the restaurant before we went. And she didn't even go on to learn about Ethiopia and where it was either. So I knew like it was kind of something that was pressing for her too. So we didn't know anything still about this. We didn't look into what adoption meant or agencies or anything like that. So a couple of months later, um, I started feeling bad <laughs> because we hadn't done anything. And so we had a conversation and be like, man, we're like, we're like really doing a disservice. We both feel strongly about this, but we both do not want to do this. But this is like not our gig right now. And we at least need to open the doors and see if the, or see if the doors open so we can walk through them. So we made a decision. All right, we'll check out adoption. We'll check out Ethiopia and all that stuff. And if the doors open, we'll go walking through. But if they ever close, we're not looking for a window to hop through. We're done. We'll say, hey, we did our piece, right? (laughs) So we've gone through this. Uh, We go through a Christian agency, found a great agency. And all these doors start slamming wide open, ridiculously and we're like flying through to where this agency, our Christian agency, is going, this never happens this quick. It's really weird. And we're like, what? Like, you're, you're weird. And so uh, we finally got towards the end. Finances were crazy. Every, like, thing could have been stacked against us. And God moved it because we said yes. And we took a step, which was, like, one of the toughest parts. So we're cruising along. And it finally comes to a point where I feel like we've gone ahead and hit the closed door. We were supposed to find out about our son fairly quickly. Like, that was the deal. And it had been like six months, and we hadn't heard a whisper of anything. In fact, I got this little thing around my neck as like, uh, we're sorry, we haven't found a kid for you. <clears throat> and it wasn't good enough. So uh, we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, I remember I told Michelle one night, I was like, man, I think we've hit the closed door. You know, we really want another child in our family. We walked down this. We've already learned so much about ourselves about every, tons. We've grown tons because of this, and this might be it. We're not finding anything out. We're not getting communicated to. Maybe there's just not a boy that's special for us that's supposed to be in our family. And my wife makes the nice comment or laying in bed getting ready to go to sleep. I feel like we should just pray about it more. So I was like, go ahead. <laughs> I told you, I'm kind of at the wall. So she prays, and I sit there and I listen. And then she goes, okay, your turn. (laughs) Okay. So I prayed very specific. Kind of a little upset, I have to be honest. I was like, God, Michelle's birthday is in four days. How cool would it be if we found out about this little boy on her birthday? So it's like a birthday present. We've waited so long. And we can always tell him, we found about you for mom's birthday. How cool is that? You know, I like really worked it up. So I was like, in the morning, that'd be great. And we know that you're God and you said you want us to do this, so make it happen. I'm going to sleep. So four days go by, nothing. Don't even think about this. It's normal. Like I said, we've been waiting for months. And uh, Michelle took the day off work and she goes to get a pedicure because that was a birthday present. 
And uh, I'm sitting in a meeting, and all of a sudden, I get a phone call, and it's from my agency. And I answer it, and they say, we have a little boy for you. And it was like an amazing moment and a birthday present for us that like solidified it right there. Like God said, you ask me specifically, I'm going to give to you because you've walked down this road and you've gone down this path. And Michelle was crying and he had some uh, medical issues and we got our first picture. You can actually see the first picture that we got of him. It was a little early and, and they're like, you have 10 days to decide if you want to take on this child, you know, we don't know everything that's wrong with them. He's got some things. And we were like, heck no, man, he's ours right now. God's already given to us a gift. We can't even like just make it happen. Like, let's go get him. He's 10 weeks old. We got this. You can see another picture. And then the next picture is the, the first cool one, number one. <laughs> yeah, it's totally cool. He was rocking it out. Yeah. So those are some of the first pictures that we got of him. So... We go, uh, now it's time uh, to get ready to go on this trip. So we're getting ready, and uh, uh, we, we run into all sorts of other little hiccups. They're like, Mo, maybe you're not going to be able to adopt him now because we're weird and crazy, and we don't write anything down because we're in another country, which is totally cool. So we went through all this roller coaster again, and it's been now a couple months, and we have a son in another country that we can't even go get that's ours, and he's sick, and he's not getting good care. Um, and so uh, it's finally my turn. Uh, it, oh, here, it's, it's, it's my birthday coming up. So I'm like, Michelle, your turn to pray, my birthday. We're supposed to get a court date. And we hadn't heard anything. Long story short, she prays. We get a call on my birthday. We're like, no way. It totally happened, too. I'm not kidding. So get a court date. The next week, uh, he goes through. He gets approved in the court, which like never happens. Like one in four, it happens at the first try. They're like, this is crazy. You got, and we're like, boom, you guys are so crazy. I don't understand how you don't understand. So it's time to go over there. And they're like, all right, it's your turn finally. Because remember, we don't get to do anything. We're just like, woohoo, we wait. Yay, God, we're waiting. And so it's like your turn, buy a flight. So you need to get there and back, and you need to go through certain countries with a transit visa. So like, okay, fantastic. So I'm like, yes, finally I get to do my turn. So I'm like ready to make it happen, and I'm like on the phone for hours. I'm not joking, hours. And we have to leave on Thanksgiving Day, and everyone's telling me, uh, uh, the flights don't work out, there's no room, you can't get out of the country, and if we can't get you out of the country, you can't get back for weeks. Now, we're leaving our little girl behind, and we cannot be gone for weeks. And we have a court date over there. We have to get over there. So it ends with, you can't go at this time. Figure out a different time. We cannot physically get you there. And if we can still figure it out, we can't get you back. So I'm, like, mad now and devastated because this is mine. I'm owning it, and I am, like, not being successful. So now I've, like, quit. I, like, can't even breathe good. I'm, like, so mad. You know how that is. I've been on the phone for hours, and people can't help me. And so... I decide, I'll read my Bible. So I open up my Bible, and uh, a, a buddy calls me too. And I flip it open, and I flip open to Galatians 3. And I start reading, and right in the beginning is Galatians 3, 3. And it says this, are you so foolish? So I said, hmm. <laughs> After being with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? I like shut it. <laughs> I sat there for like 15 minutes. I was like, oh. <sighs> Called back the airport, said, whatever you got to do, this is where I'm going. I don't care how you got to do it. Pull a nice guy. 15 minutes later, we had like flights there and back. It was like, he's like, yeah, it just opened up. Because I was like, that one wasn't there before. Yeah, I don't know. It was closed before, but it just opened. 
It's, it was really cool. So we're going over. We get over to Ethiopia. We're there. It's awesome. Picture. In just a second. This is just a really funny one, I think. It's going to flick. Okay, we get Malachi. Awesome. Yay, we lost our luggage on the way. That was totally cool, too. I'm telling you, we hit every angle. It was totally cool. Next picture. Uh, these are the families that um, stayed with us, and we got to adopt uh, and meet them. So it was really cool. Uh, there's some older children. I think they were 9 and 11, uh, brother and sister. And then um, the boy right there, to, I guess it would be the left of us, um, he was like three days younger or something like that than Malachi. Um, next picture. All right, so this is just funny. This is Ethiopia. There's a horse hanging out, and he's uh, got a rock and a tire, and no one's helping him. <laughs> it's just funny. I just had to show you that. I was going through. Yeah. You can go. That's Ethiopia. Though. You know, it's like, hey, stand there. All right. So when I'm over there, we're over there. We lost our luggage. So Michelle and I was like, hey, we got nothing to do, so let's go check out Ethiopia. So we go on crazy trips. And God didn't just intend for us to go adopt a child. We really wanted to learn about the country, but he intended for us, and specifically me and both of us, to do ministry over there, which we were not prepared for. So through this, we took off for a day, and we had to hire a driver and a translator. And the translator, we got to meet really good, because I went later by myself to get a few last things. I wanted to get some more coffee or something. And we got in a wreck. And uh, it was awesome. Um, But the awesome part about it was, is... Uh, Michelle has no idea why I'm gone for like 10 hours now because there's not phones to call each other. And uh, now I'm like on the streets. I'm in Ethiopia. I'm not just in the car doing the touristy thing. I'm like walking and talking and moving through it. And so I get to meet this guy named Sammy. And he lives in this place called Cora. And uh, if Cora, it's because it's the cursed people and it's a leper colony. 80,000 lepers that are cursed and banned and like shut out from main parts of Ethiopia. People don't go around. I was majorly a foreigner besides being a giant white man. (laughs) So he says, hey, you know, Larry, do you want to come? I want you to come and meet the people, meet the people here. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So you can see this is just a proud man. So there's this little boy. You can go to the next one too. That's a close up. I look over. He's one of the first kids I saw there and I'm walking around and he's looking over me, smiling. He's like happy and it is gross and dirty. The whole village is on top of a seminary, where they, a cemetery where they just keep burying their dead there. There's no water at the walk a long way. And there's a little boy, and he's getting close. And I reach out to him, and he was like all nervous. And he was like, can I touch you? He's trying to figure it out. And I said, yeah. So he comes over, and he touches me. And then all of a sudden, hordes of kids come running and touching me. And it was a really intense moment because the, the translator, Sammy, told me, he goes, you are being Jesus to these kids right now. Just like Jesus touched the leopards, no one touches these people. They're cursed. They have leprosy, or they live amongst leprosy. And this is the first time someone's touched them and cared about them and who knows how long. So it was a really cool, getting to do ministry to this kid. So then I got to walk around through this. You can go kind of flash through some of these slides here. This is the homes they lived in. Uh, I guess it was just dirt and mud. Uh, not good. You can see this water. That's their water. It's like a, a hole they dug, and they just put water in there and keep it for later. And then a man on his mat hanging out. Got to pray with him later because he asked if we would pray with him. And he had this cool little, uh, like, PVC pipe. They made, like, a flute, and we were praying. He was, like, playing his little flute. Like, he was singing his own little songs to heaven. And there was this girl. I walked up, and there was this girl sitting here, and she didn't have any clothing down here. And this, for, for me, was, like, a, a kind of a, a crazy moment because it was the commercials we always see. 
You always see those commercials with flies on their face, and they have a bloated tummy. You can flip to the next one. And that was her. And it was just like, this, this like really happens. This is like, I'm here right in front of it right now. And you can go to the next one. So then they asked me to come in, and they asked me to pray over this little boy who had leprosy on his back end because he'd been scooting around. And leprosy, you actually get from a cut, and you pick up bacteria from the ground. Not everybody gets it, and that's why you call it the curse. You can't get it from just touching someone, and uh, there is cure for it, so that's the good news. But they don't get it because they're cursed. They're banned away. You can go to the next one there. So then we left... And Sammy's, we're going through the streets, and I see these shoeshine boys are everywhere. There's boys all over the street, and I see people sitting down and getting their shoeshines and then, like, hitting these kids and kicking them and throwing, like, little bits of change at them. They're getting, like, a penny a day is what they're getting for doing this. And I was like, wow, man, this is, like, pretty hardcore, Sammy. And he told me, he didn't open up to me, and he goes, Larry, I used to be a shoeshine boy. I lived in Cora. I ate out of the dumpsters, and I was a shoeshine boy. And he's like, one day I want to help my people, and I want to minister to them. And so I was like, why don't you do it right now? You have like the coolest story in the world, Sammy. Why don't you go talk to them and have them shine their shoes and share that you used to be them and God has adopted you in your misery and your vulnerability and taken you up to be holy with him. Really? We should do that? So I gave him some money. I said, go now and do it. So he sits down and has shoeshine boy come over and then has another one on the other foot, and then starts talking to them. And I don't know what they're saying. And all of a sudden, I see all these boys turn and look and come closer. And I think that was at the point when he said, I was a shoeshine boy. Because once you're a shoeshine boy, you're kind of always a shoeshine boy. You're nobody, you're nothing. And he explained to them that Christ can be with them, they can have him in their heart, and shared a little bit of his testimony with them. And then we gave him money and left. They were so excited. And he was like, oh my gosh, that was so great. So then we went further and said, Sammy, why don't you go shine somebody else's shoes? Go take a boy, pay him to sit there, and then shine his shoes and tell him how Jesus washed feet and how it used to be a shoeshine boy. So it was just amazing all of a sudden to be able to go do ministry out of something that God called you to do that went, where you never see it. You can go to the next picture. So we're in our time in Ethiopia. It's time to go home. We're excited. We're on our way. Now, remember, I had to get a transit visa, and there was only a country, one country that we were able to go through, which was Frankfurt, Germany. And it was kind of back and forth about, are we going to be able to get a transit visa, or do we need it? And as far as we could tell, every travel agency said, oh, yeah, you don't need it. People come through there with adoptions all the time. So we're like, okay. On our way over, we went through Frankfurt, Germany, and they never asked us for our passport. It was like easy breezy. It was awesome. So we're like, man, this is going to be fantastic. So we get there, and we land, and it's like 30 degrees outside because this is December. And before we even get off the tarmac, they inform us over the uh, loudspeakers that uh, the German government has just pulled up and needs to see transit visas if you're going through and get your passports ready because they're checking on the tarmac or you're going back to Africa. So we're like, <gasps> not good. So we kind of look at each other and we're like, all right, we'll remember that whole spirit thing. <clears throat> so uh, we're like, all right. At this point, we're like, man, God is going to take care. I'm like, I'm like not, I'm like a kuna matata. I'm like, I'm not even worrying about it right now. He's going to take care of it. And there's really nothing I could do. This is our son actually right here. He'll come up. Don't, don't say anything yet. <laughs> so, hi, buddy. So we get through and we're standing up and there's like this happy little flight attendant. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. And right outside the door is like three people ahead of us and like, 
people are like ripping some people. One guy's already like back on the plane going back because he didn't have his stuff. And this other guy's getting ripped up in German. I don't, it just sounds intense. So we're standing there like, oh, this is not good. So she's in front of me and she's got him in a little pouch. Hi. Got him in a little pouch with a cover over top of him. And the flight attendant's like, goodbye, goodbye. And she's like, oh, baby. And like pops over, look at baby. And like looking at him and like, oh, yeah, it's good. She's like, oh, it's cold. Like, yeah, it is cold because it's blowing in the flames. So she's like, nah, you come here and grabs Michelle and starts to walk around these people and then says, no, no, there's a baby. It's cold. They're not doing this. And they're like, whoa, 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 what? No, that's not happening. They're doing it just like everybody else. So then they had a fight in German. (laughs) And I'm just standing there like, hmm, I don't know what's going on. So then she still grabs us and goes, come on, baby's coming. So comes this way, drags us on over. So I squeeze around. Everything's good. We get down all the way into the bus. And we look at it and we're like, oh, that was our God moment right then. Totally took care of so. okay. This is our uh, first picture back in the United States. Uh, this is our illegal picture. We found out as we were taking it, they're like, oh, illegal. And we're like, why? All right, thank you. Hi. So this is, he's, he's really here. He exists. That's him. Is there another picture? So, it was a really, really, really cool story. A really cool story on the way back home and uh, with Malachi. And it was our story, this crazy journey that we're still on with Malachi. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Read Romans 8. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you right now. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible sitting around you guys. Take it home. Read Romans 8. It'll do make a difference in your life, in your world. Now, Romans 8 should inform you and us of our understanding of what visiting orphans in their distress and affliction means. The story of the Bible, the story of God visiting us, us and our affliction, like he visited the Israel in its affliction, affliction and distress and exodus in order to deliver us from it. If any group of people should be passionate about visiting orphans in their, in their distress, in order to deliver them from it, it should be the children of God. If any group of people should be passionate about it, it should be us, the children of God. There's no other group of people that should be more easily mobilized to care for orphans. Period. Visiting orphans in their distress mirrors what God has done for us in our distress. It's the reason why the church continually needs to talk and rehearse and rejoice in the redemption story over and over again. Not only its redemption, the grand story of the universe, but also our story. And that's what will move us in mission to go and visit orphans in their distress. So let me be clear, though. Not everyone is called to go adopt not everyone's called to go adopt. Some of you are, and you need to take that step, and I would love to talk to you about it. But I'm not saying go out and do it. Not everyone is called to get an orphan and sponsor an orphan and do that. There's many, many ways that you can do that. But what you are called to do is to visit orphans in their distress. Ken, our senior pastor here, is doing that right now as we speak. Well, he's probably sleeping. But he's doing it right now in Uganda with Hope for Kids. If there's a people in the face of the earth that should be passionate about caring for orphans and their distress, it's those whom God visited in their own misery. 
He has given us a remarkable gift by sending his son into the world to redeem us that we might receive adoption as sons and everything else that comes with it. If there's anyone that should care for orphans in their distress, it will be God's children, sons through adoption. Keep saying that over and over again. So some of us are called to adopt ourselves. Think about it. Are you? You've been pushing off to the side. Others to come alongside of adoptive families in different ways. Still others to care for orphans by supplying for their physical needs and hope that there'll be families who will come along and bring them in one day. Why do we do things like this? Because God has an essential vertical to horizontal movement. People gave to us. We brought over tons of stuff over the orphanage. People donated our flight miles. They gave to us financial. They gave to us in prayer support nonstop. There's tons of things that we can do and you can do. And I'm going to give you one right now because we're going to do this as a church. I started thinking, what's something, what's something that we can do when we're like this big to this big in the kids area? Because we're not all going to go adopt a kid right now. We're not all going to be able to make a long commitment to, to uh, uh, sponsor an orphan right now. Some of us are. But one thing we can do right now is you find this. Pull it out right now of your uh, program, your bulletin. It says nickels for nets. Fighting the spread of malaria in Uganda. One net at a time. So we're going to do something right now, right in this month. And something in just a moment up on the stage. I'm going to ask for you guys to dig your change out of your pockets. The change that sits in your car, in your pockets, at your house, on your table, and just kind of clutter stuff because we never change it for bills. And maybe in a piggy bank. Ask your kids to dig in their piggy bank, pull out change, and we're going to fundraise nickels for nets. That's a way to help an orphan in distress. As you heard, the deadliest creature on this planet is a mosquito. Every 30 seconds... Every 30 seconds, think about how long it just took for me to say all that stuff. A child dies from malaria. That's right now. That's real, right in our face. So $10 buys a net. It can be cash money. It can just be change. I want you to change. Families, tell your kids to go around the neighbors. You guys go around the neighbors. Bring a bucket, and you can download this off the internet and make a sticker and put like a cool bucket at your work and tell people, hey, nickels for nets, man. We're going to go ahead and help and do true religion here together. We're going to help orphans in their distress. So I'm not going to read it all. You can read about it. We're going to have a time right now, a response. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you want to, even starting today, you got change in your pockets? Bring it on up. I got some. And you can just drop it in either of these buckets. This is an act of worship being like, all right, I'm in God. I hear you call. I'll answer. Send me. I'll go. Right now, today. And take your own time. And you can walk up and put change in here. Pray with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.